Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Two Guys No Cup podcast on today, which is Thursday, September 14th, when you are listening to us that we are recording on Tuesday. Uh, We have an exciting show planned for you today with some NHL news and notes and a couple of items about the Blues in particular. Uh, We also have the Traverse City Prospect Tournament up in Michigan to talk about, as well as a discussion of the Blues contract and salary cap situation. We're excited to talk about all these topics and whatever else comes up, so let's get started and let's go Blues. Rent Studios on Ventura Boulevard. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. How are you doing this evening, Ian? Splendid. <laughs> is that sing song enough? Yes. Uh, it is a late evening here on a Tuesday evening. We're recording on Tuesday because Ian is very selfishly going to Minnesota to move his grandparents, like all rotten scoundrels do. From I'm hoping. Time to time. I'm hoping for less coal in my stocking this year. <laughs> Less Ian Cole. Ooh. I don't know if he could fit. He's a large defensive person. <laughs> He's probably six feet tall. <laughs> probably. So we have a fun episode tonight to give to you on Thursday. Uh, a couple of interesting league notes to talk about. A lot of news today breaking about a couple of teams and their possible future, well, one hypothetical future location and one current location. Uh, This morning it was announced that Seattle has a plan in place to majorly rehabilitate the Key Center, which was, of course, the arena where the Seattle Supersonics played and uh, I'm sure other teams have played in the past. Uh, It would be a $600 million renovation. Looked really cool. It looked like they were going to build on the stadium they already have and kind of dig underneath it, which is an interesting concept. I don't know how that works, but I didn't go to engineering school. So (laughs) uh, $600 million, obviously a very hefty renovation. So that's pretty much a new stadium. Uh, And their goal is to bring back the NBA and bring in the NHL. Uh, Seattle, obviously a a city on the rise in terms of sports. You've seen the Sounders of the MLS be wildly successful there. Seahawks are very well supported. Even the Mariners are becoming a bigger budget team. So that would be really cool. But on the same day, it was announced this evening that Ken King of the Calgary Flames said that the Flames are no longer pursuing new stadium deals with the city of Calgary. He said he had a meeting with the mayor in Calgary. And that it basically indicated that the uh, city has no interest in helping them with a new stadium. Uh, the Saddle Dome in Calgary, I think, growing to be one of the older stadiums in yeah, use. Yeah, it's probably like top five oldest. Yeah, sure. and certainly something that probably Calgary, the Flames, deserve to have renovated. But it sounds like the uh, city is not interested in helping them do so at the moment. So, uh, interesting possibly just coincidence that these two items dropped on the same day possibly not uh we did there wasn't a situation in seattle today in the political sphere their mayor uh got in quite a bit of hot rodder and i think resigned today yep. <laughs> uh, which is a story i'll leave to other podcasts to cover uh but 
you know, there it's possible that that throws that into some doubt, but I don't know that for a fact. Uh, but it will be interesting. I think Seattle would be a great market for hockey, even though it's not like a traditionally cold or northern. I mean, it is northern, but not a traditional. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think of it as a hockey city. I think that's a fan that take or that's a fan base that takes to its teams really aggressively. And yeah. I think the kind of hipsterish kind of like third tier nature of the NHL would do pretty They'd well in it. the Northwest. Uh, but Calgary, you know, you can't lose Calgary as a hockey city. That's a bluff. So, yeah, That's I think it is. I think he keeps bluffing and nothing's happening. It's, so. it's weird to say use due diligence, but I feel like as a ownership group or a group that wants a new stadium, they almost kind of have to say, hey, uh, we might move you if we don't get what we want, just as sort of a trying to draw a line in the sand that eventually just gets erased because what are you going to do? You're not going to move Calgary. That's like... Have you seen that stadium? It's just everyone's in a jersey. Everyone's red. It's constantly packed. You're moving them to anywhere, even if it was Seattle, which I'm sure it isn't. But that's still an unproven market. There's no way. You're just you're losing money yeah. moving them. So I don't know what happens. I guess eventually they might just have to pony up and make it a private-funded uh, stadium. But... Yeah, yeah, they're not leaving Calgary. And in, in an environment where people are talking about, hey, we'll move a city, you know, we'll move a successful team to Quebec City or to, mm-hmm. you know, back to Hartford, I've even heard. You're not moving a team out of what I just looked up as the fourth most populous city in Canada, you know. So you're not moving them out of Calgary back, even though, you know, even though a city like Atlanta, where they came from long, long ago, mm-hmm. is much bigger in terms of just market size, the difference between a Canadian market and an American market, clearly very huge difference for hockey. Uh, they would have to, I mean, they would have to have an insane deal from some other city and no deal from Calgary to ever <laughs> entertain moving, and I don't see that happening. But it is an interesting story to follow and keep your eyes on. Uh, in more immediate blues news, the only interesting thing that's happened to them is. Uh, one-year deal for Pateri Limbaum, two-way deal. You have anything at all to say about was this. that? Last year, he didn't really do much for us. He played for a little bit, right? Maybe like a handful a of games. games maybe, yeah. The year prior to that, what would that been? The, the 15, 16 season, he mm-hmm. played for a good chunk of them. Yeah, I remember him fine, doing pretty I well. Yeah. I don't know if he just fell out of favor or we just have that many prospects just jumping ahead. Like, you're not, you might call this guy for a spot. Um, if someone's injured for a little bit, but I just don't see him jumping ahead of Wallman or Dunn. Mm-mm. And he's we've got Prosser as our new Chris Butler. We have Chris Butler. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> There's just so many. He's our eighth, ninth defenseman. He might you might see him on a couple of back to backs. Yeah. I think this is the situation where he's done well with the team. He's young still. Maybe you have something with him. Maybe you include him in a trade package, any number of things, but I wouldn't expect it to make a big impact for the Blues, but hey, good for him, good for the team for getting it done. Uh, Speaking of contract extensions, there are several around the league that we should talk about since our last discussion. Uh, Just yesterday, New Jersey announced the signing of Damon Severson, their 23-year-old defenseman, to a six-year, $4.17 million contract, uh, which is a $25 million total. Uh, Severson is a, a good defenseman. I think he's kind of the guy that made them comfortable trading Adam Larson. Of course, Taylor Hall being the return also probably made them comfortable <laughs> trading Adam Larson. But 
this is a great deal, I think, for them uh, to get a guy like that that young for four point seven one seven a year. I don't know a ton about Severson's upside or you know statistics because they're kind of a neglected team over there. But I think it's a fine deal for them. It seems like he gets he's got a fair amount of points over his I mean short career his young career. Um, and he seems to be at least active on the power play. Last year, out of his 31 points, uh, 13 of them were on the power play. So, yeah, definitely maybe... A real Braden Shin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a, a cornerstone on a young team that's, you know, trying to rebuild. Probably a little bit more of a Kevin Shattenkirk in role. I don't want to say he's, like, the same or even that offensively gifted. I just mean that he's probably on a good team, a second-tier defenseman, but on their team... Might be their number one. <laughs> might be their number one. A real Paul Stasny type of defenseman. Ouch! ouch. And I love uh, Paul, but still. Um, Damon Severson also a low key ginger, and for some reason <laughs> in my head that's like a New Jersey thing. I think Adam Henrique maybe also a redhead or some some. Oh, their goalie um, is Schneider. One of oh all. yeah for so, sure. Yeah, some some for some reason in my mind that is like the definition of being. A New Jersey Devil player having red hair. Red Adam Henrique's hair is very black, so that has nothing <laughs> to do with it. But uh, yeah, uh, that has nothing to do with anything, but just an observation I made. Very low key, though. It's like a mild ginger. He'd pass hue. my test, right? Yeah. I don't hate him for it. You're not grossed out. I like Bo Horvat a lot. I think if I'm a Vancouver fan, I'm kind of like, oh, so this is our future. You know, yeah. this is that phase where we have to just slog through the mm-hmm. next few years with these middling guys until we land that McDavid or somebody. You know, he does strike me as kind of that weird transition, like you said, where he's your best player on your transition team. And then either he hangs on for the ride as you go for the cup when you're much better, or he's the first one traded because <laughs> because you just need to get rid of him and get like something better or picks or you know what I mean. Uh-huh. I don't see him sticking around for when they're better. He's going to be someone that gets moved at some point or another. Yeah, and I think I mean again he's a good player. No, for but sure, but he's not a top tier talent. And you know they couple that with this they just signed. Uh, finally, Thomas Vanek signed a contract with the Canucks for a year at $2 million. That's just a signing that says, hey, we want a couple bodies that will make us slightly more watchable. Like, Vanek <laughs> will put up some points and he won't, like, You've heard he's of that got name. a name, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's nothing like what he used to be. Um, he strikes me as someone that could be a Brad Boy, uh, Brad Boy's surprise. Yeah. We go, oh wow, a lot of power play goals. You're gonna come and see, like you said, see the game for him. Like, ooh, what's Thomas Vanek doing? <laughs> and I'm even just hearing myself say that that's a lie. No one's coming to see that's Thomas true. Vanek. Vancouver, luckily, is. I mean, they're just selling tickets because they're the Canucks and they're mm. a Canadian hockey team. But it's a kind of a dark period for them. Almost dark enough to make me stop hating them for no real reason, but not quite dark <laughs> I, enough yet. I think their fans are a little more fickle than um, some other <laughs> Canadian teams. A I little think. angrier. Yeah, too. yeah, they did uh, trash their own city. <laughs> but I mean, I think they're a fan base that if the Canucks stuck for long enough, it would really hurt them. I yeah, think probably. I, Edmonton stank for what the last six, seven years and they still got tons of people to watch. Mm-hmm. I think the Canucks you're in a West you're like literally on the West Coast. There's just other stuff to do. Yeah. I don't know. That's a beautiful city. It's a it's a very 
kind of American Californian almost city mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. They've got the white caps. They've got football. They've yeah. got, you know, NBA well, teams. If you want to watch so. hockey there, they've got a boatload of junior teams and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So, so if you want to watch good hockey. They will need to compete. And Horvat will help them never probably be quite as bad as Edmonton was mm-hmm. for a while there. Yeah, I don't think they'll be that yeah, terrible. Yeah, they've still got, you know, the the Coyotes to pick on and the, <laughs> the Avalanche, but I don't think it's a great period for them. Uh, Calgary signed Sam Bennett to a two-year uh, $1.95 million deal, which is kind of interesting. You were talking last time about how bridge deals kind of don't mm-hmm. happen as much anymore, and this is like bridge deal in capital letters. <laughs> like this is we're signing a guy that has a really high ceiling to see if he actually reaches the ceiling, you mm-hmm. know, probably paying him a little more than he's proved he's worth so far, but not taking any of his UFA years or anything. Fine deal, not a lot to say about it, I don't think. I don't uh, think he, he hasn't lived up to expectations, yeah. obviously, for right. wherever they drafted right. him. This gives him a chance to do so. Uh, a deal I love is Columbus signing Alex Winberg, a uh, 22-year-old, to a six-year, $4.9 million deal. Now, Winberg just debuted in the league this past year, but he tore it up for this team. Mm-hmm. He's a young center. Uh, this is one of those high potential reward deals that's not all that high a risk, you know, because he's so young and you're still paying him under $5 million. But if you get anything like a growth on what he did last year for six more years at $5 million, that's a, a huge win for me for Columbus. That's mm-hmm. a big deal for them. Um, he had how many points did he have? Do you have that number in front of you? Because I can look it up. But. I'd have to go look it up, but I just know that I think he was in the on the Blue Jackets for a season before last year, but it might have just been for half a season, and it's kind of your rookie year where you're just feeling it out. But last yeah. year was definitely the breakout year, and this is potentially their number one center. I don't really, oh, yeah. I don't really know their center depth all that well, but that's definitely that's a huge deal. You said four point nine for six years, and if he, like you said, progresses even further, or even kind of stays where he's at, that's. Basically, anything under five million for someone that's going to contribute these days is like a massive deal. Yeah, I mean a massively good deal. Yeah, so I did misspeak. He did play sixty nine games in fifteen sixteen and put up forty points, which is still a good rookie year. Oh yeah, uh, he paid last year put up fifty nine, almost sixty points, forty six assists. I remember he just tore it up through mm-hmm. the first half, so maybe slowed down a little bit, but that could be expected but with the young player at twenty two. A lot of full seasons. He was a big part of their long streak near the beginning of the year, and I just think this is a guy. You know, if if especially with we're detecting this rise in contracts for centers, um, if you can pay this guy this threshold, you're all over that, I would think. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they were. And finally, Toronto signed Connor Brown. Uh, who is 23. A lot of young people getting extensions this week. Nobody older than 23 except for Vanek, who is older (laughs) than God. So (laughs) Uh, Brown signed a three-year, $2.1 million contract extension, which I think is also fine. It's just kind of a – he's a good player. He's a good young Mm -hmm. player. He's not one of their top-end talents, but I think he'll do well there and he'll fill a role and provide some depth Reminds me kind of like a – kind of a Vladimir Sabotka just can kind of – patchwork fill in where you need them yeah Yeah. do this guy can do stuff you go do stuff (laughs) so that's an update on the league wise news uh 
The biggest league event this week, of course, is the Traverse City Prospect Tournament, which is where we'll focus our attention now. Uh, Traverse City is, of course, in Michigan, even though I said Minnesota last time. It's and the same state. It's a tournament where uh, each team brings uh, a group of its prospects and basically has a head-to-head tournament. Mm. They're round-robin rules and stuff. So I accidentally hit pause, but as I was saying, there are rules to the tournament as there are to any tournament, but we won't focus on those too deeply. Uh, We'll just kind of focus on the results for the Blues. So the first game was kind of a cataclysmic collapse for the Blues. (laughs) They were up 5-1, to and then the Wild, their opponent, scored five goals in nine minutes to take the lead. I wonder if at the end of the game our coaches reminded them that they couldn't score five goals on Jake Allen all playoffs. No, I think they scored probably exactly five or thereabouts. Uh, but so the five goal in nine minutes, obviously a horrendous collapse. I don't look at it as like, oh, this team doesn't have the grit to get it done. <laughs> but um, This team that will never play together in this makeup ever. Yeah. Mike Yo said uh, after the game that uh, Jake Wallman really stuck out and Robert Thomas had an exceptional game. Uh, those were the kind of the keynotes from those games. We have a little more detail on the other games. Uh, game two was a seven to six win over Dallas in overtime. Tommy Vanelli scored the game winner with forty eight seconds left in OT. Uh, kind of a good for him situation, I think. <laughs> I think we've talked about in the past how Vanelli has kind of been passed over as one of our mm-hmm. top defensive prospects. Even uh, Yo kind of said this. He said, I'm happy for him. You go from being a young guy to one of the older guys in a big hurry, and he's wearing an A on his jersey, and he's relied on as a leader for the team. And I think what Yo is kind of admitting is, look, Vanelli has sort of been passed over as that elite young talent. Uh, so it's good for him to get a you know, a moment to shine in this tournament. Mm -hmm. I don't know that he'll ever have a big role for the Blues. I hope he finds a spot somewhere, but um, that's good for him. Clem Costin scored his third goal of the tournament in uh, this game. He opened the third, which also started the rally that tied it. Uh, He scored, I think he ended this, this tournament with three goals, so he scored three in the first two games, had a really hot start. Uh, Jake Wallman scored a power play goal. Tage Thompson tied it at 229. Uh, so much alliteration. Yes. Uh, it was very unintentional because I don't control when people score goals. Uh, Thompson and Cairo each had a goal and two assists, and Costin, Wallman, and Musel all had one goal and one assist. Anything stick out to you from this game? that you want to add i'm kind of just running through facts at the oh, moment you're fine. oh this is the dallas game i it was just nice to see after letting in those five goals that five goals being scored by the wild that they were able in to nine kinda, minutes <laughs> they were sort of able to do the opposite in this and sort of you know pull it together against dallas um it's just nice to see and we'll hear about in the other games that some of our top prospects that you want to see do well really did that did that well yeah. for this whole tournament Yeah, absolutely. I think that will be the story that we'll focus on when we get to the end. Uh, Game three was against Columbus, and it was a 3-2 win, which is the most normal-ish of the games that we played. The most like the NHL. Uh, Musil scored again in his third consecutive game. Jake Wallman netted another power play goal. Uh, He had two goals and four assists at this point. 
Cage got the game winner. Uh, also two goals and four assists at this point of the tournament. Uh, Barrett Jackman, who was helping coach this squad of young players, said, Thompson was the best player on the ice again. He played strong, made some great plays, and he played the penalty kill today with Tanner Kaspik. Those two were a very strong skating and tenacious power penalty kill unit. Sorry, I kind of stumbled over Tanner Kaspik's name, but... Uh, really nice words for Tage Thompson. He also talked about a couple other guys. He said, Adam Musel is a very strong, detail-oriented player, puts everything on the line. He's shown some attention around the net and scored some dirty goals, too. <laughs> Ken Hitchcock would have loved him. Uh, the fact that he's contributing at the tournament is a pretty good sign that his hard work is paying off with some points. And Barrett Jackman knows all about points. Uh, and finally, he said <laughs> that uh, Nicola Mikola, who was a fifth-round pick in 2015 on defense, Right, mm-hmm. had an outstanding game. Uh, he was playing heavy and also using his skating to make some great reads. I think Mikola was maybe one of the fringe guys that stood out the most in this tournament, from what I'm reading. Yeah. Uh, kind of made an impact in several games, so that's good to see. You never know when, if ever, those late-round picks are going to kind of bust out and do something. I think it's just good to hear from Jackman on some of those kids, especially when he's talking about the penalty kill and even Mikola as defenseman, just because that's something that he's familiar with, especially. Anything that he can say about a player looking really good or solid on the PK is a pretty nice endorsement coming from him. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Uh, So the fourth game, we we won again. We beat Detroit which uh, secured a 3-1 and one finish in the tournament and a 5th place finish overall. Uh, we have five unanswered goals. We went down one nothing in this game. Uh, Tage Thompson finished the tournament with the most points at the time. Uh, he had two goals and an assist in this game and four goals and five assists total. Uh, I did not check to see if somebody caught up with him in the last couple of games that happened. Uh, but even if he finished you know, third or fourth, mm-hmm. that's still pretty impressive. Uh, Robert Thomas scored his first goal in this game with uh, one goal and four assists in the tournament, which is fine. You kind of expect him to be an assist guy. Evan Fitzpatrick was in net for this game, made 26 saves, uh, seven points for Jake Wallman in the tournament, two goals, five assists. Both of those goals, I think, were power play goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quim Costin had five points with three goals and two assists. Uh, Adam Musil had four points, and Jordan Cairo had three, and neither one of this played. Neither one of them played in this final game because I think they each had kind of minor injuries. Yeah, just kind of banged up. Uh, Jackman summarized saying, The kids you really want to shine and play well had great tournaments. I thought Thompson showed his elite ability and had two real nice goal scorers goals. Thomas was all over the ice making plays and showing his hockey sense and his smarts again. I thought Mikola and Wallman both played exactly the way we needed them to. They pushed the pace and played strong. Uh, So this is uh, kind of a... I think a good showing for the team. You never want to put too much yeah. stock into one weekend of hockey, but it's always good to see the people you expect to do well uh, do well. We have one more. We have a, a friend of mine, a friend of the show's, Garrett, who uh, was actually went up to Michigan to watch the tournament and play some golf this weekend. Uh, he sent us a report from the ice. He said, Wallman was awesome and easily the best player for the Blues. Uh, Tage Thompson played well, but he needs to work on bulking up, which isn't a surprise. He's very tall. He's yeah, still kind of like thin. Six, five. So that's nothing... 
that uh, would be unexpected. Jordan Cairo got injured and didn't play the last game, as we noted, but he looked great beforehand. Uh, he said Clem Costa needs a year to get used to the North American ice, which is not a surprise, <laughs> yeah, as we've been surprise, saying on surprise. the show. Uh, he is not going to be our starting right wing this year. Uh, Garrett is going to write a blog that he says should be up tomorrow night with more of his detailed thoughts on the tournament. We will certainly share that with you on our Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at two guys, no cups, no cup all spelled out. Um, but uh, we thank Garrett for his contribution, for his insight. Uh, seems like he agreed with the coaches on a lot of mm-hmm. stuff, just from his kind of layman's view in the stands. So uh, we thought it would be fun to. Did you have anything more to say about the the tournament in general or the specific results before we? No, I. I mean, you kind of mentioned how you can't put that much stock into it. These are teams that are right. never going to be formed like this again, playing each other. <laughs> Unless you believe that one guy who had the uh, twenty twenty twenty. These will all exactly our twenty. Yeah, this will just be our team soon. But like we had mentioned two or three times already, just good to see those top prospects playing that well. Um, there are a few surprises for me. I I could go either way on Tage Thompson just because people are seeing sort of different things. Mm-hmm. But it did sound like he had a really good tournament. Yeah, I mean, last time, we'll meet a couple on this. We were both kind of saying <laughs> that Tage Thompson, we compared him to... Ty Ratty, not saying that he was Ty Ratty necessarily. More just like I don't know but just if he had a us. guy that had a lot of hype and never quite pushed it over the edge, you know. Um, a, a premature comparison, to be sure. It seems like it, because it looks like Tage just absolutely went on a rage <laughs> through this tournament, uh, which is great. I mean, he was a first-round pick. You want to see mm-hmm. want to see him succeed, if for nothing else than that he has an awesome name. Uh, <laughs> but... That's good. I'm I'm excited about that. Uh, I love to see that. Costin, hot start. You know, mm. I'm not surprised he needs a year to get adjusted to North American. I, yeah. He's 18. Like people don't. <laughs> he's 18 That's, years old, and people don't play professional sports at 18 years old. They're not done growing or filling out their frame. You know, there's no sport where people regularly do that. Tarasenko played in the KHL, and he still didn't come over for yeah. two or three more years. So just let the guy right. work it out. Occasionally you'll get, I mean, the first couple of picks in any NHL draft play mm-hmm. at age t- 18, but they're not even always as impact a player as some of the yeah, latest sometimes ones they're a bust. Been. Pouye Arvey did nothing last year, you know. <laughs> so this isn't a surprise. Um, you know, if he'd played last season... And had been healthy, he people said maybe he was a top three pick, maybe he is playing this year, but that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to expect or be disappointed if he doesn't perform at the if, NHL level. If this he's year. a top three pick, then he's not playing for our team. And if he is playing on an NHL team, it's because the NHL team is bad enough that they need him on the right. team. Yeah, that's exactly. the other. That's yeah. the flip side of that coin is that those 18 year old players are yeah. all going to trash. We don't need Clem Costin on this team. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully we don't. And if we do, that's a bigger problem than Clem can handle. We're all screwed. <laughs> so we thought it'd be fun, kind of after this tournament, to rank. Our top five prospects we're most excited about uh, for the team, and we thought we'd kind of we. I haven't told Ian mine, and he hasn't told me his. So, how do you want to do this? You want to do five five, or you want to do just our whole list? You can then... you can run through yours first. Okay, well, I'm mill sense. mill over mine. Okay, uh, we have I have 
listed at number five, roaring back, raging back into the top <laughs> five is Tage Thompson. Uh, this is a guy I was pretty excited about after the draft last year and after he had a really good college season last year. I think he, is he at UConn? Was he at UConn? He was at UConn. Um, he played the last couple of the AHL games in the playoffs yeah, there, yeah. in the AHL. That is, you love his size. He's six five. That's not inherently a, a virtue, but. It helps yeah. in general. Um, but uh, great tournament. Really excited to see what he could do. And he's one of those players that maybe isn't far from playing in the league, which is cool. Mm-hmm. You know, he's playing in the AHL. He did some last year. Wouldn't be a shock. Uh, number four for me is Robert Thomas, our first pick in this year's draft. I'm ready for his smooth hands <laughs> to play at the NHL level. He seems to be kind of an ideal playmaking center, and his comps have been sort of that Bo Horvat player, which is great. Like I, everything I said about Bo Horvat's contract mm. aside, I love that kind of player, and I'd be happy to have him on the Blues. Uh, number three, and this is maybe a surprisingly low spot for him, Jake Wallman. I love him, and he's amazing, and I expect him to contribute very soon, but he's a defenseman, and we have lots of <laughs> So, like, I'm excited about him in the sense, and I think he has one of the highest ceilings of these players, but he is still a defenseman, and we have plenty of those, so it's not the position we most desperately need necessarily. Number two, I'm going to go with Billy Huso, who's a Finnish goaltender that we have uh, finally coming over to the AHL this year. This is a guy who is kind of uncertain at the beginning. I think we picked him in the fourth or fifth mm-hmm. round. I want to say the fifth round a couple years ago. And he started kind of tearing up Finland and has been kind of had his reputation growing and growing over the last few years. Uh, I read a report on him. He's a 6'2", 185, so maybe his frame can fill out a little bit, but he has you know, ideal goalie size without being that Devin Dubnik, Ben Bishop, just monster. <laughs> um, and the report said, even though there was some uncertainty, this was from hockeysfuture.com, there's uncertainty at the beginning. He definitely has the size and might have the talents to be a really elite goalie. Um, I Goalie prospects are impossible that's to just, predict. That's a crap shoot. So he could never play an NHL game. Which is so that's why I wouldn't put him at the top of this list mm. and was kind of even hesitant to put him up here. But if he ends up being an elite goalie, I think that is something that even Jake Wal- or Jake Allen uh, isn't quite. So that would mm. be cool. Uh, and Finland's a cool country, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Carl Lettinen, I think, is from there, right? So. Yeah, but that's, I mean, is that the comparison <laughs> we want to make? Maybe if he was original Carl Lettinen back when What about Grass? There we go. That's even better. Uh, and then number one, I will put Quim Costin overall for for uh, everything we've said about him. I do think he has a tremendously high ceiling and a great future. I just don't think he's going to come in and, and take the world by storm this year. I would love it. It would be even more confirmation of all the great things we've heard about him. Uh, but I don't expect that. But with that said, uh, there is no doubt that he is a very highly regarded prospect. He was the number one European skater. He could have been a top five prospect if he'd been healthy last year. Mm. We got him in the 31st pick of the draft, which was the first ever 31st overall first round pick. We got him in the Reeves deal. Everything is right for this guy's story to be like the guy that helps put the Blues back on the map. You know, <laughs> not that they aren't, but that's the kind of 
supplemental piece you need to a Tarasenko to really be like a top, top end team Mm -hmm. if he pans out. So what do you think of that list, Ian? And what, by comparison, is yours? Uh, Are we identical? (laughs) (laughs) It's the same. You said everything I wanted to say. Um, I'd say it's most of the same players, maybe possibly a different order. I think for me, I can kind of go one to five, sort of the opposite direction, just off the top of my head of who I'm most excited. I would probably put Clem Costin at the top just because the ceiling's just so high. Yeah. And it's it's one of those guys where, like you said, if it works out, if he works out to his potential, it's just mm-hmm. like 31st feels like a steal. He yeah, still went right. in the first round, and you still feel like, oh, we robbed everyone yeah. in the first round. Yeah, and it's another. I mean, it's good that we both put him up there because it is kind of a reiteration that we are not like cold yeah. on this no, guy not by at any all. means, even though we talk about him every week as like, pump the brakes on him that's a a temporary pump the brakes you know because the turn's coming up and he's got to learn the north american ice yeah but then when he gets around the turn it's all downhill it's all small rice from there yes exactly uh so sorry go on with number two number two for me would probably already be robert thomas wow okay maybe because from what i read in this tournament that he just looked really slick and poised out there and it's someone that thus far in his very short tenure of being drafted with us, uh, we haven't once said that we're going to put him on the wing. So that's great that's to true. hear. <laughs> uh, he seems like a really good center that we might actually keep at center thus far. So he's someone that... Could it be said that we would be unwell if he was playing <laughs> on the wing? That, they'll never stop, people. Yeah, the yeah. Matchbox 20 jokes, they'll never that's stop. Num- he was number two for that alone. 100% that banjo riff from the beginning of unwell is what plays if he scores a goal. 120%. <laughs> and everybody will be mildly depressed, but that's fine. <laughs> if they can do feeling 22 Maybe for Shaq. Smooth. Maybe smooth. Ooh, I'd like that. So yeah, I've got Thomas at two. Um, and then from there, I think I put Vili Huso in the middle because I can kind of go like That's either fine. way on him. Yeah. I could have flipped Wallman and Huso very easily. Mm-hmm. Wal, I think Wallman. I was hoping in my head, I was and heart, I was hoping you'd just ignore Huso because he is like <laughs> a goalie, yeah. and I'd be like, "That's where we'd be different." But I'm glad you had him on there. Well, with you having with both of us having Huso, and he didn't play in the tournament at all. Yeah, I think they just I don't know if he's just good enough. They're like, "He's gonna play against Kiwis." <laughs> I would hope that's the reason. They're like, "Oh, he's just so good. We don't yeah. want to throw him out there." But with that being said, we don't want to embarrass anybody. <laughs> <laughs> with that being said, I'll have I have Jake Wallman at four, and then right behind Wallman at five. He didn't play in the tournament, but I would still count him as a prospect in the AHL. I'm going to put uh, Vince Dunn at five. Okay, I think those yeah. are kind of a one-two yeah. punch on D that I'm like excited to see. Yeah, they'll be fun together. It's, it's kind of hard to imagine because they're both. I mean, not for them playing together, but they're both on the left side, and there's just there just feels like there's no room on our defensive core, even for two guys that are really good. Yeah, um, I'm sure you know you got a Gunnarsson and Bortuzzi that end up moving on. Yeah, sort of thing. This but. is this is almost reiterates what we've talked about pretty much every week, where we have like a whole team of prospects that are almost NHL ready that could just jump up and mm-hmm. be like our bottom six and our bottom or two bottom pairs of defensemen and there is like a log jam it'll be interesting to see how armstrong handles that i gotta we gotta get a lot of credit to like um i think it's bill bill armstrong, bill armstrong yeah, yeah unrelated to yeah Doug absolutely and that whole crew because at least even last year maybe like the year before we drafted fabry or even the year we did draft fabry 
I don't think our pipeline looked overly great. Yeah. I mean, it looked all right, but now it looks amazing. I don't to know. Me. I haven't looked at where it stands in terms of like NHL ranks or anything, mm. but I'd have to think it's up there. We don't have we we don't have like that. I wouldn't game changer, but we maybe do with cost and a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, it's just hard to quantify. I mean, you think about we've been drafting late in the first round, and to still get guys like Thompson and like Fabry and like you know Barbashev in the second round and Pareko in the fourth round and uh, all these guys, I think we're doing really well. And that's exciting. Especially yeah, for a competitive team. Hockey is different from other sports in terms of the prospects can take so long and so many different routes to the NHL that it's a little harder to follow. But I think this is exciting uh, for the team. We did, we decided we'd also include two more categories, which is <laughs> uh, let's start with most likely to fail because it's a little more depressing. Okay. Uh, most likely to fail is not like we're certainly not wishing these guys any harm or any ill and we want them to <laughs> succeed, but just some of the things we seen about them and just make us worry uh, my most likely to fail would be jordan Cairo, which i don't like saying but i just see i does, i do see a lot of time does he feel like a tyrant <laughs> he's undersized and he's a, a high kind of point guy but you can't really say is he a center is he a wing maybe he's got that like Upside of like a uh, Nathan Gerby, Matthew Felino. Is it Matthew Felino? Is that the other one? The not Nick Felino, Marcus Felino. Marcus is um, Maybe he's got that upside, the little guy with gumption, but I just, I'd love to see it. I'm not confident we'll see it. That's mm. not, I don't know anything about anything, so I could be completely wrong. But that's kind of what my read on it is. Who's your most likely to fail? I'm going to be real boring and ride your coattails and just say Jordan <laughs> Cairo. I was worried about that, yeah. I'm going to flip. I'm going to do this every podcast. the same reason, yeah, basically? Gonna, every podcast, I think, like a virus. I'm just going to jump from one player to the next and name them the next Tyre Addy. <laughs> and it was Tage Thompson, but he the passed first, it. In the first preseason yeah. game, uh, Kyra's just going to light it up, so you're going to have to name somebody. Uh, I think Adam Musil is the next Tyre It's just going to go to a player that already plays i think vladimir saboka <laughs> is the next tie ratty um it's uh, for the sorry, same it's for the same reasons i know he, his skating supposed to be almost elite level just really good so that's a difference between him and ratty i know ratty maybe he's a magnus payar <laughs> yeah maybe maybe i i huge upgrade to magnus payar i hope it works out because that would all it would also kind of justify a little bit more of the elliot trade mm-hmm. that's what we got for him um, I will, like we said, I want him to work out. I'm leaning towards him more working out than not, but it is one, like you said, where if he didn't, I wouldn't be like shocked and like, oh, I can't believe it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, why don't since since I've made you follow me each time, why don't you lead off with our uh, wild card pick? This is kind of the prospect that's not at the top of anybody's radar, but we are still excited about regardless. <laughs> Well, my wild card was going to be, and I think it's on the top of lots of people's radar, but for me now, it's Tage Thompson. (laughs) Um, That's fair. That's fair. I think he surprised a lot of people, including myself, and even just watching a few of the highlights that the Blues post on their Twitter, which are really kind of hard to view because it's a single camera. From, like, space. Yeah, from (laughs) space. So you're just kind of like, who? But he had uh, at least two goals, and they might have been both today. They were just really good wristers. Awesome. Really good, like, you know, uh, where you can kind of disguise it. You're skating in, and you just don't know when he's going to release. And he, I think at least both times he got top mm-hmm. corner over the glove. So 
it was just something that I didn't think he, I didn't know he had that. And I guess on the power play, they were doing nonstop trying to set him up for one-timers. So he has a shot that I didn't know was all that great. I always thought him was just a tall, lanky kid with hands. Yeah. That, I mean, had enough skill, obviously, to be a first-round pick. But, yeah, I, I still think there's a little more to be proven on him just maybe from a filling out standpoint. Yeah. But I'm I'm a lot more excited about him after these couple of games than I was before. Yeah. No longer the tie ratty of the team. Oh no. <laughs> uh, my my tie ratty of the team. No. <laughs> my potential wild card. I really like the kid we drafted this year in the fourth round, mm. Alexei Torpchenko, oh, yeah. which maybe I'm butchering, but I think I've got right. Uh Russian <laughs> kid kind of Kind of one of those guys that the moment we picked him, guys, people were like, this is a steal, which I don't understand how that happens in the fourth round. Like, why didn't somebody else steal him? <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, just a lot of offensive weaponry that I think, you know, he has good speed, good skating, a lot like Quim Costin, just mm-hmm. a lower uh, kind of radar guy. I well, can't think of the word. I've heard he sees bit. the ice really well, especially for someone young yeah that's one of those things where almost everyone you can look at all the games that we just talked about it's just a shooting gallery they're just yeah. high scoring no one can play defense i've heard that he's really good at picking off pucks knowing where the puck's going yeah. that's something good for someone that's that awesome. young. uh i i think he's just he's friends with clem i think some of that russian scare kept people away from him mm. Could be nothing. Again, any fourth-round pick in the NHL, you could never hear their name again. Yeah, you're not wrong for picking If I'm picking a wild card, that's who I'm looking at. And I I do want, desperately, I want us to be that Russian Red Scare team that the Red Wings had in the 90s. (laughs) We'll have, you know, Tarasenko and Kostin and Torovchenko. Maybe we can trade for... You know, a, a Nikita Nikitin or somebody. <laughs> we just need all the Russian. Can people. we get those '90s jerseys with the red in them oh, again, yes. just yes. for them? Just the third jersey, at least. We can put a hammer and uh, sickle on the bottom too. Since <laughs> a Reebok or Adidas, whichever, can't handle those spicy third jerseys <laughs> in the first season. Uh, so we thought to end today's discussion. This is a topic we've wanted to, to talk about for a few weeks. Uh, we just quickly kind of glance at the Blues' uh, salary cap situation. And more importantly, what contracts they have and what contracts uh, they are, you know, maybe regretting, maybe very excited about those sorts of things. Uh, So the Blues sit at a total cap of 73 million right now, 73 and change, 73.4, which is, I think, the ceiling 75, right? Mm -hmm. So not a lot of room to wiggle there. Uh, but enough to make probably a trade or two in late in the season. Um, how do you do? You want to just straight read these down? I'm on SportTrack, SpotTrack.com. Spot-track. You're probably on Cap Friendly, right? Oh yes. Uh, let me go to Cap Friendly because I prefer it. Uh, but we'll just talk about these contracts, kind of label some of the best ones, some of the worst ones. Um, we'll start with. Mr. Vladimir Tarasenko, who is our leading money receiver. Actually, do we want to work from the bottom up or the top down? We can go top down. Okay, we have uh, Mr. Tarasenko, who is signed through 2023 at $7.5 million a year. This is an awesome contract. (laughs) Uh, More and more so as we see guys like Ryan Johansson get $8 million a year. Mm. Um, 
I think this is just a situation where they struck while the iron was hot, signed the perfect deal, gave themselves a lot of flexibility for years to come. There is nothing that you can complain about in this deal. Today, Tarasenko, like if it's today when like Johansson's getting signed, he's making nine. I'm saying at least nine. Yeah, I would think so for sure. Um, We'll see. It'll be interesting to see when the next top end kind of winger comes free you know when line a gets his extension or something Mm -hmm. like that what they'll get to compare it to tarasenko uh paul stastny has one year left on his deal at seven million dollars probably not the best signing in hindsight can't complain about it now really you can never complain about one year left on a deal you kind of had to make that deal and it's a free agent deal you had to make yeah that's kind of you know people love to complain about that deal and I understand it because four for seven, he has definitely not performed to that level. And I hate it because I love Paul Stasny. And I'd still love to keep him. But he's a free agent, and we desperately needed a center. And this is what you do to get free agents. <laughs> I still stand by the claim that he is the first or second if Tavares reaches free agency, which I'm still not confident will happen because I think he may be signed and traded. But... Um, one of the top two or three best centers to hit the market yeah. in a decade. And you just have to pay for those guys. Uh, guys you did not have to pay for. Uh, this would be my worst contract on the team. Yeah, and it's it has nothing to be. against the person. Uh, but we have Alexander Seen signed at 33 years of age through 2021 when he will be. 36 years of age, if my math is correct, Um, which it may not be. 36, 37, whatever his birthday is. Uh, For $5.75 million. Uh, This... This got snuck in. Yeah, why don't you tell (laughs) tell your take on this, because I about snorted out of my nose when you (laughs) said this earlier. Well, yeah, we talked about this earlier. I kind of forgot that this deal happened. I, I know he got signed. But I forgot that A that it didn't kick in until just this season. A, and then, and then B <laughs> that it was for four years and C those for that much money. I think when David Backus left and people wanted him to stay, but then they found out almost immediately. I think even when he signed with Boston, uh, Armstrong probably did his his best to immediately come out and go, "Hey, you know, he was asked for one more year and it was this much money. We just couldn't do it." And everyone's like, "Oh, okay." We understand that. That seems fair. We don't want to sign him for that much. And then he kind of whispered. Then. Yeah. Then he kind of <laughs> whispered to everybody. He's like, yeah, but we signed Alexander Steen for like four more years at five point seven five. So see well, you. Like fine. Yeah. yeah and everyone was like, okay, that sounds good. That's not so bad. I mean, we didn't sign both of them. And then now that that's kind of worn off and Bacchus is gone, you're like, wait a second. Yeah. Why do we have Steen for five point seven five for four more years? Especially since. Are you know since he put this guy basically on public blast when he called the team independent <laughs> contractors? That is a little confusing. Um, the more I look at this, I don't know how tradable this contract is. You can probably unload him to like a Vancouver, <laughs> not to keep picking on them. But he you, does have a no trade. Yeah, I don't know what that constitutes he'll, anymore. He'll go. He'll, he'll be. Go. Oh, you'll go. <laughs> we'll say you accept this trade, or we're bringing Ken Hitchcock back, and he'll be right out the door. <laughs> um, I love Steen. Obviously, one of the best trades in Blues history is to trade <laughs> our beloved Lee Stepniak uh, for Carlo Koliakovo and Alex Dean. Uh, absolute highway robbery. Still a bonkers uh, Even trade. just for Carlo Koliakovo, honestly, would have been fine for what Koliakovo gave us versus what Stepniak he gave them. He had to have them, played, like, I know he's injured all the time, but at least 200-plus yeah. games yeah. for us. Yeah, for sure. Steen 
one of the pillars of this team for the last decade. Yeah. So that's a, I mean, nothing against Steen, but sometimes he's slowing down a little. Emotions bit. make deals that common sense it's, should not. It's the same reason Yadier Molina is getting paid twenty million dollars oh, yeah. for three more years to use a baseball analogy. Well, this deal is better if it's this or Bacchus, one or the other. I'd rather have Steen yeah. just because I don't think he has nearly as many hard miles minutes yeah. on him. Yeah, that's fair. And I think he probably has the better offensive upside. Much La- more robust nose, yeah. so he can breathe more. <laughs> he can breathe more air. Um, last I'm, year, he didn't have the best offensive season. But his shooting percentage, if I remember, I don't know the exact number, but I'm pretty sure it was hot garbage. It was uh, real low. Yeah. So you got to kind of hope that bounces back. Yeah. Just I, naturally. I don't. I, I haven't told this story on the podcast before, so since we're talking about it, I'll tell it really quick because it's funny I'll humor to me. you. Um, <laughs> uh, the only blue I have ever accidentally <laughs> met in public, which not even met because I didn't say anything. That makes it sound like you ran him, into but, with his nose or uh, something. Was, was Alex Steen. And this was several years ago. I was at Deerberg's, which is a local grocery store in town. And I walked like we were, you know, how you wind around the aisles. I was walking the opposite direction of it. And the first aisle, I see him, and I'm like, I know that guy. You know, like, I, I, I facially, I recognize him, but I didn't pick him out right away because this was when uh, Steen had probably one of the longest injury periods of his of his career. He had a concussion, concussion okay. and he was out, I want to say, half a season or something. And this was right in the middle of that, kind of around Christmas, I think. I'm adding details <laughs> that I don't know and aren't important. But anyway, so I see him, and as I wind back around the other side of the aisle, I see him, but this time I lock onto the nose, and like immediately I'm like, oh, it's Alex Steen. <laughs> like, that's how, that's how distinguished this man's nose is. I didn't say anything to him because he... Uh, did not look like he wanted to talk to anyone, and I leave people <laughs> Independent alone. contractor. Yeah, he was contracting the hell out of that store. Um, <laughs> but that was my Alexander Steen's nose story. Uh, moving on to Jaden Schwartz. By the way, in just a bit of trivia, four of our top five paid players have an S name, and five of the top seven, at least forwards, all have an S name. So this will be fun for announcers. Yeah, it's great because our S's on these microphones sometimes sound lispy, so that's going to be fun Enjoy. all season. Um, Jaden Schwartz. Uh, will be here the same length of time as Alexander Steen for 400000 less dollars, $5.35 million. It's a fine contract. And he's much younger. It's good, yeah. Um, <laughs> secondary score, this is fine. This is a great deal, I think. It's I think, not yeah. as great as Tarasenko, but it's it's good. It's good for a player that... I always, he was injured a lot this year, mm-hmm. so you got to temper your kind of up frustration with him at the moment by realizing that... It was an injury plagued year. It's it's one of those players too where I always feel like he still has like a little more to give, yeah. and I really do believe it's there. So I think if he steps up that much further, it's an even it's yeah, an even it's better great. deal. Uh, the only deal here that I think maybe the only single one that uh, that Doug Armstrong didn't sign is the deal with Braden Shen. He's being paid five point one two five million through twenty twenty. Uh, three more years on that deal. Again, fine for the numbers he puts up. Uh, well, especially fine compared to what he got rid of contract-wise the other way. <laughs> yes. The contract we he will did not sign. be saying your Laterra's t- name in this contract uh, discussion, which is great. Patrick Bergwind is another 
questionable one. Yeah. He signed through 2022 uh, for $3.85 million. He's still only 29, which seems impossible. <laughs> he has a no-movement clause, which I think is less binding than a no-trade clause. Um, I can never remember. One's bigger and one's smaller, but I don't know which is which. <laughs> um, he... They signed this right when he was like at the hottest point of his career, basically, and he definitely cooled off last year after that. I remember I had the glory play for him in fantasy because I wanted a blue in the Winter Classic for no real reason, mm-hmm. and I picked him up and he scored in the Winter Classic. And then from then on, he kind of went on a tear for a while, mm-hmm. and then like a month later, he signed this deal. Wasn't this his highest goal season this year? I think it was, uh, yeah. Minus his rookie year? Yeah. yeah. And he's struggled with injuries. He's the longest tenured blue. Uh, oh, yeah. And he's got to be. It's not, I mean, anything under $4 million, you can't be like, you know. You That's kind of like, my problem terrible. with it. I can't really turn my nose up too much because it's not, not expensive. He's a good third liner and a emergency second liner. Mm. It's fine, but it is long. Yeah. It does feel a year too long to me. Um, but I'm again, that that's, probably lowered the price. Yeah, a bit. that probably keeps it under four. Uh, the real wild card here is the Vladimir Sabotka signed. He's back. <laughs> finally, <laughs> through 2020. We will never again have to say, will this be the year Vladimir Sabotka? That could have returns. sustained this podcast for years. <laughs> if only we'd started, Sabotka we could have just had a whole Sabotka episodes. Uh, 3.5 million for him through 2020. Tw- yeah, 2020. I'm sorry, I'm trying to read this screen around a mic. It's not very helpful. <laughs> uh, this will be interesting. I can't say a lot until I see what he does. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, one-year deals from here on out, well, except for Chris Thorburn. Dimitri Yaskin, a million dollars. He's an RFA after this year. Kyle Brodziak, nine, nine, nine hundred and fifty thousand UFA after this year. He's probably gone. Probably, I yeah. guess. I mean, same thing with Upshaw. It's fine. Yeah. I will mourn his loss, but not too heavily. <laughs> uh, Chris Thorburn got a two-year deal, which is weird to for me some for $900,000. We're re-signing Ryan Reeves next year, so why do yeah, we have Chris Thorburn for two <laughs> um, years? Robbie Fabry, still on his entry-level contract, will be an RFA after this year. Obviously, will be the big project of this season and off-season. Magpie, $800,000 deal this year as a UFA after this year at 26 years old. Oscar Sunquist, newly acquired in the Ryan Reeves trade, $675,000. RFA after this year. And Bo Bennett is uh, signed for $650,000. 25 years old is also an RFA after this year. But he has a little hammer next to his name, which I am told by a lovely little pop-up window <laughs> means he is arbitration eligible, as is Dimitri Askin. So I don't. I guess he's an RFA for us too. I don't know how mm. we signed him as a UFA and then got him to be an RFA. But yeah, I don't know. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even weird think about situation, that situation. But um, yeah, we didn't trade for him, right? Unless we. I mean, maybe we signed him under the. There is a threshold where you don't have to compensate if you sign an RFA. I'm, so maybe we signed. I'm him sure under it's that, one of those fifty thousand. Rules. Yeah, probably. Um, those are all fine. Yeah, I mean, you, again, one-year deals you can't argue too much about. Uh, Alex Petrangelo, really good contract that feels too short now. I, I know. Uh, $6.5 million through 2020. You would love to see that be a couple of years longer, even if it was at 7 or $7.5 million. But he's a player we won't let go of. We'll pay him whatever he needs when the time comes. I'm always wondering if he's going to make more. 
I feel like he'll make seven. I don't like feel seven. like he'll make nine or anything. That's what I mean. I don't see him like pushing us to be like, oh, we got to give if him If Drew Doughty signs his extension. Oh, that's a good. Unless it's comparable. insane. I think it'll be probably 8.5 maybe. And for then, Drew Doughty? For Doughty. Oh, okay. I was like, and no then, offense for Trangelo. Yeah. And then but... by comparison, Petro can be seven, maybe 7.5, you know? Yeah. Okay. I don't think it'll skyrocket. I was just curious. If it went up to 7.5, I wouldn't be like, no, you know? But... I guess it depends what the cap looks like, but it's one of those weird yeah. things where it inflates high enough. I'm like, this is getting kind of big. Yeah. Colton Pareko, on paper, this looks like a really good deal. Uh, 5, <laughs> 5.5 million through 2022. I was kind of hesitant at first, as the audio record will reflect, but it looks good now that I look at it. <laughs> He's a great producer. He'll eventually be a probably a first-line player if he wants mm. to be. If I think it's another Jane Schwartz thing where I think he's just got that much more to give and yeah. he'll make it look that much better. The only potential hiccup here is that both he and Petrangelo are right-handed, so they can't be on the same line, but... Mm-hmm doesn't really matter. I mean, first line doesn't technically matter because Pareko's got a different role from Petrangelo anyway. Yeah. Uh, Jay Bomeister, uh, probably the most maligned contract of... Um, People hate this contract. <laughs> yeah. He, and I don't get it, uh, especially anymore, through 2019, signed for $5.4 million. We've ranted about this before, but look, he plays over 20 minutes a night. <laughs> And you can't just buy that. It's mm-hmm. not like a thing. I mean, you can. You can say, hey, Nikita Nikitin, you're playing 20 minutes a night, but it will not yeah, go it well. Yeah, looks terrible. <laughs> um, Jay Bomeister is in that Barrett-Jackman mold, an elite version, but he's a player that his ceiling is you don't notice him. Like, when he's exactly. playing at his best, he is totally invisible on he's the ice. He's just there. And the problem with that is if you're watching, you know, semi- Focused, and you see Jay Bomeister, he's making a mistake. So in your head, you think, man, I only hear Jay Bomeister's <laughs> name when he makes a mistake. He must not be very good without realizing that you only heard Jay Bomeister's name 12 times over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you would love to see him put up a few more points and stop slap passing all the time. <laughs> slap fast. On the first line. Uh, but I don't think it's. A big deal. I mean, I think he's exactly what we want there. He's still 33, which every time I read that, I'm like, no. <laughs> Isn't he 40? Yeah, which is, I mean, I don't know that we'll resign him after this. You know, whatever. It remains to be seen. But this mm. deal is fine for what it is. Mm. It's not great. We didn't steal him, but I think it's okay. And you would be realistic, too, that when he signed, he was, I mean, like you've mentioned multiple times, when we got him initially which is before signing this extension, this discount of an extension, he was amazingly fast. Like, right. Like stupid fast. Gazelle. Like yeah. That. And he got his, he injured his hip or his leg or something and slowed down a little, and he's not quite the Jay Bomeister we traded for. But when we gave him the 5.4, he still was, and that was a discount. So I know you can kind of think in the terms of, you know, what have you done for me lately, but... For what we signed him for, when we signed him, and he's only just slowly, you know, decreased. It's not the stark drop off. That's yeah. fine. There's, I don't know why people yeah, complain th- about it. I think what happened here, if there's a single thing that happened, it's that he was the Iron Man in the league when we signed mm-hmm. him, and that was just a thing that he was known for. And when he lost that, it just didn't, you know, it didn't become the thing. And you were looking at him as a player without that, and you started to notice some of the blemishes. I could understand um, that. 
lost a But I don't think so. that actually matters. Like, no, you know, not, it doesn't matter that he finally yeah, got no, injured. Who gives a crap? But it's just kind of that thing where you, like, instead of thinking the first thing, Jay Bomeister, he's got a thousand game Ironman streak or whatever it was, you know, it's now Jay Bomeister. He scored three points last year. Jay Bomeister, he looks like my accountant. Yeah, exactly. Um, and not, speaking of contracts that are just hated by people, it's Carl Gunnarsson at $2.9 million through. 2019. My policy on this is I did the math once. The average roster position for 25 million, well, I guess if it's 25 people at 75 million, it's 3 million per head. If you're below that for an average roster spot, you can't really be furious about anything. And Carl Gunnarsson is Jay Bomeister 2.0 in that he's a very bland defensive defenseman, but he's fine. And he's experienced, and like he's a sort of guy that could play first line minutes if like Jay Bowmeister was mm-hmm. hit by a herd of buffalo or whatever <laughs> he does in his free time. Well, was, yeah. If the tax code <laughs> fell off the shelf above him and hit <laughs> his in his head while he was doing Mike Yo's tax returns. Um, well, Gunnarsson, you're saving like maybe a million dollars if you plug in somebody else yeah a younger well, guy what did, like what did they cares? just sign alexi emelin for we talked about him last week wasn't it like 4.5 million mm. or something and that's gonna be a bottom pairing i'll guy take for carl gunnerson for 2.9 way before i take alexi emelin yeah. for 4.5 he's fine i don't see it it's not a great deal it's not like one of doug armstrong's top five signings but he's been do you, do you need like your third pairing what did we trade to be a top to five signing didn't we trade like a nothing Pollock, yeah that was weird yeah. Which again, that was kind of a character shift more than anything. And mm. Gunnarsson was injured. I don't think we could have ever gotten him for that price. Otherwise, um, Robert Bortuzzo, two years left on his deal at one point five, one point one five. That's a big difference. <laughs> um, we could have had two-time Cup-winning defenseman Ian Cole. Yeah. And Nate, <laughs> Nate Prosser, I didn't realize, also a two-year deal, which why and how, but fine, $6.5 million. And we also had Joel Edmondson this year. I hope he arbitration eligible and RFA eligible next year, what which will think? be another big deal. What do I think he gets? Yeah, we'll right just, at We four, don't know. Probably. Right at four. Three, five, maybe. I don't know. It depends. If he plays anything like he did in the playoffs, it'll be four. Yeah. If he played like he did last season, probably three. Probably right at that really? deal. 3.5, maybe. I see him looking and pointing at Pareko, even though they're different, and saying, like, that's you what think? I want. Oh, man. Part of me feels like he's going to get... Maybe four or five? I'll say, I'll say four or five is, like, if he plays well this season, yeah. I say it's probably If four he five. plays like he played in the playoffs, sure, I have sure, no give problem it to him. with four yeah. or five. If he doesn't... Get out. <laughs> <laughs> He's left-handed, so he and Pareko can be a pair for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing here, and we, we've talked in the past about how uh, um, Armstrong kind of set this team up where he doesn't have major deals coming all at the same time, but four of our fo- four of our seven signed defensemen right now have a deal that's up in two years. So in two years, we've got to make decisions on Bomeister, Gunnarsson, and Bortuzzo. And Prosser, but who cares? <laughs> I could, uh, I the could, thing is, yeah. here we've got Wallman, we've got Dunn, we've got this Vanelli is if we want storm, him, we've got yeah. Schmaltz. So this is probably intentional. And I think one of the things that I see as I'm looking at this is Boy, are we going to have a lot of calf space to play with in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, like, over the time between now and then, he's got a lot of room. We talk about, let's look at the total numbers. 
um, which we're back on sport tech, so now I have to come <laughs> back. But um, the Blues have $73 million in cap allocations this year. You lose $15 million between Stastny and uh, other people. <laughs> All the rest. Um, uh, Hutton goes off the board books this year, and Edmondson... Uh, Mostly, you're going to spend that Stastny money. A combination of that and more will go to um, Fabry and Edmondson. But then the year after that, we're down to 47.575 with 10 roster players signed. Um, And then the year after that, it's 32.3. Now, there's only six roster players signed beyond that. But when you look at all the prospects we just talked about, you can make pretty much a (laughs) 25-man roster out of that. Yeah. And that gives you a lot of room to potentially, with Tarasenko's contract being what it is, Schwartz being where he is, some of those role players being where they are, you could potentially go out there and make a big splash in free agency or in the trade market. I'm not saying that um, uh, that uh, Armstrong will necessarily do that, mm-hmm. but it could happen. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Do you have any more final comments on that? Uh, we have no dead cap space, which we're one of few teams oh, in the league that have no buyouts, nothing. Chicago also magically doesn't, and that's because... That's because everybody else does. Yeah, that's because teams line up to make sure that they don't ever have that problem. Yeah, exactly. Um, Every team that has one of their former assistants as their GM just stands in line. They take numbers, like at the DMV, and they're like, it's your turn. It's your turn to bail out the Blackhawks. (laughs) Carolina, you're up next. Well, this is a little less interesting to talk about because there's not really people to fill in behind them. What do you think of the Jake Allen's contract? Oh, yeah. I didn't mean to comment on this. I still think it's a wait and see. We didn't mention this at all. Mm. So my apologies. Uh, 4.35 through 2020. Obviously, if he plays like he did in the playoffs, it's golden. Yeah. It's fine. I just don't know what goalies get. I don't know what like the number it's is for goalies. It's so hard to know, especially with price contract now. It's it's a good deal. It's a good deal as long as he never goes back to that place that he went to before <laughs> we back. before we brought in Yo. Uh, we can't. I don't think it's wise for us to ignore that that happened last year. I think a lot of the stories on Jake Allen are like, oh, Mike Yo came in, Brodeur worked with him, and now he's magically fixed. Yeah, I don't and buy that's that. possible, but I don't necessarily expect that. So as long as he plays, not he can't play at the playoff level, no human being could forever, but as long as he plays like even, even if he's just like a predictable even, even if it's not great, it's just Mm -hmm. okay, 4.3 is fine, Mm -hmm. Um, especially with Huso coming and potentially surpassing him at some point towards the end there, but... If he ever goes back to that <laughs> that dark alley of which we dare not speak, where he was sent home on a road trip, then that's going to uh, be a problem. Yeah. And it did feel a little long to him. That contract felt weird at the time because I was like, boy, this guy's only ever been a backup. Mm-hmm. And you're paying him for then it was five years at 4.3. You're just you're just. Pulling yeah. the trigger on that, you know. It's <laughs> Some of okay. those feelings are always going to be kind of residual. That's how I feel. It's like even if he plays lights out this year, 
I'll feel good about the contract or better about it, but I'll still be like, man, that still it still felt a little early. Yeah, I think I I had these three categories, which is best is Tarasenko by a mile. Yeah. That's one of the best contracts in the NHL, I think. And I'm not just trying to blow smoke. I just think that <laughs> it just happened at the right time. It's not necessarily that Doug Armstrong is yeah. a super genius, but they signed it right before Tarasenko really showed his top mm-hmm. end, and they showed it, and they signed it right before the cap kind of shifted up with mm-hmm. McDavid, so it just worked out perfectly. Um, worst contract would definitely be Steen for me. Yeah, I'd agree. Not even close. It would have been Laterra before that, probably. <laughs> um, and maybe Patrick Bergwin is a little hard to tell. And then I also had the wait-to-see category where I put Allen and kind of Schwartz just because, like you said, I do think he has another gear he can step mm-hmm. into. It's fine if he doesn't like the contract. okay if he doesn't. But if he does, then it's like mm-hmm. not Tarasenko level, but pretty still, close. Yeah, it's really good money. So that's kind of our take on the cap situation, unless you had anything else to add. No, I think those are definitely kind of where I put I put my, you know, worst, best, wait to see sort of contracts. Yeah. There's not too much controversy on this team. Like I said, Steen being the worst is still not as bad as some other teams' worst by yeah. far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so thanks for listening on Thursday. We're sorry if some... Major news drops. If the Calgary Flames announce they're moving to be the Seattle <laughs> Fishmongers in the next two days, we apologize. Uh, <laughs> but uh, thanks for listening. Please be sure to uh, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. It'd be great if you left us a review. I hate begging for these things, but Smash they're good for like the show. Button. Smash that like button. You can follow me on Twitter at Stephen Ground, Ian at Ian A. Peters, us at Two Guys No Cup. No cup. Keep. I'm trying to get over that habit. We changed the S in the middle of the show. And we never told anybody. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter if you ever have questions you want to ask for us. That's a great uh, medium. And uh, if there's nothing else, we'll talk to you next week. We'll have a preseason game to cover. Ian's got a big undercover arena event Expose. he's going to get to go to to see the new <laughs> updates. Uh, and we will talk about the almost certain success of Ken Hitchcock or some other topic that we <laughs> haven't decided camp. upon. Training camp's coming up. It's exciting, guys. Hockey's right around the corner. We so back. We're, uh, we're getting ready. So until next time, until next Thursday, thanks Thursday. I said that real <laughs> Minnesotan. <laughs> until next Thursday, thanks for listening, and have a good day. See ya.